Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, a podcast presenting the very best panels pertaining to RPG design and publishing. This has been made possible by Double Exposure and their leading game design convention, Metatopia. Now to the show! Episode 50, Computer Hacking and Games. Recorded at Metatopia 2014. Presented by Shane Harsh, Clark Valentine, and Tim Rodriguez. Okay, so let's get started. Uh, thank you all for coming. I, I've been thinking about this topic for a while, being a, an active uh, security professional, or at least somebody who gets paid, right? Hacker. Being security We like to call it. Uh, and wanted to have this discussion more than anything. I'm not coming into this with all the answers, and I don't even claim to really know a whole lot about hacking other than other people pay me a lot of money and think I do. So we'll, we'll just go with that. We'll, we'll continue the charade, and uh, we'll, we'll kind of explore this together. Uh, I'm here from, from my com- company, Legendsmiths. Uh, we are RPG design company. Our logo is Forging New Worlds. Uh, and uh, one of the worlds that we're trying to forge is a basically a cyberpunk redux, trying to make cyberpunk, trying to make gamers care about cyberpunk again. Uh, not that there aren't a whole bunch of people out there playing Shadowrun and having a great time, uh, but cyberpunk happened and nobody really cared. And so trying to understand where punk comes back into that. So that's. That's the game that I'm going to be playtesting this weekend. We'll see how that goes. Um, oh, you know, probably got to turn it on in order for it to work. That's 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 rule number two of rule I, number two. After you plug IT it troubleshooting, in, you, turn it, you turn it on. Okay, there we go. So, why do people think I know what I'm talking about? Well, I got a bunch of certifications that claim I know something. Uh, there were a lot of hard tests. Um, there was. Uh, significant financial investment in making all that happen, um, and I, I'm pretty confident in confident in what I know, or at least think I know. Um, but I try to stay away from actually actively penetrating anyone's systems. Um, my background is in military intelligence, uh, and I take my security clearance pretty seriously, and I don't want to accidentally put my foot in something that I shouldn't have. <laughs> so so that's that's my background. And I think this this old guy here probably has some things up pretty nicely that the art of war teaches us not to teaches us to rely not on the likelihood of the enemy's not coming but on our own readiness to receive him. What we're seeing in the current state of affairs for hacking and I want to establish that as the baseline to then understand where we're going is nobody's ready. This is the problem. This is the paradigm that's out there. We've been perpetrating this myth that somehow you can have locked doors and locked windows and no one's going to get in. We all know that physically that doesn't mean anything, right? Which is why you hire security guards to patrol and on top of that you have regular monitoring and on top of that you have motion sensors and all this kind of stuff. But it seems... Everyone seems to believe, well, I can just throw up a couple firewalls and I'm secure, right? 
because they, they can't get in. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and so we're in the middle of this shift. Now, the interesting thing, when we look back historically, if we can call 70s and 80s cyberpunk fiction historical. We can. We can. Okay. Yeah, absolutely, we absolutely. can. Um, it's 40 years ago. <laughs> it was just yesterday. <laughs> uh, I don't remember that. <laughs> The understanding and the expectations around how you know computer networking was going to work and how security in general was going to work is has fundamentally come to pass and then pa- been passed by, and now we're in a really a completely different reality that very few people imagined would have evolved this way, and that's I think fundamentally at the core of why. Games that have built hacking models that model Gibsonian cyberspace don't really work, right? Because it just doesn't... You look at it and you go, on its face, this is dumb, right? It just doesn't work that way anymore. It was cool then. Still cool. (laughs) And it's still cool. Still still looks slick. And Tim, when when you can... Write that perfectly retro future cyberpunk game. That's that's when it. That's when it. I happened. didn't say this was going to work. <laughs> <laughs> I said it looks cool. <clears throat> so computer hacking, what is it? And I also do want to underscore. I'm not going to stand up here and talk to you the whole time. I did want to provide just a, a grounding of where hacking is today, and then we'll build from that. So what is it? Well, hacking is really just pushing the boundaries of form or art. It doesn't. It's not necessarily relevant specifically relevant to computers uh, we're talking about you know you can push you can you can uh, you know obviously you can hack hardware but you can also hack chemistry and hack physics and you know just do all sorts of things that are trying to push how you're using it and generally trying to make something do what it was never intended to do right that's that's what hacking is really about it's not about being malicious or trying to cause damage that is a use of it just like you can use a hammer to build a house, you can use a hammer to take down a house. Right? And so what's the focus? Are we talking about the act or the result? Right? Ultimately, we want to really see what the impact is. That's what we're, you know, when, we're ge- when we game, that's the objective. What are we trying to do? And, and the how is really for us to figure out, and that leads us to, well, why hack in the first place? Right? Why, why are we doing this? And when we, when we look historically, we start with fame and glory, right? And this, to a certain extent, is what Gibsonian cyberspace is built on, is this concept of fame and glory and, you know, bringing, uh, building your ego, building your presence, building your handle around that. And, and certainly, uh, we, in reality, went through that. That's late 80s, early 90s hacking. It's all about defacing pages and making a statement and what is that righteous hack and, you know, things and, that look crispy in the dark. And, and screensavers. And screensavers. Don't screen screensavers. And screensavers. Those Absolutely. are really important. Really important. That's what hacking looks like. <laughs> um, active matrix. Um, but then we get to actually trying to achieve a strategic advantage. And that's, you know, that's kind of behind the scenes where what we typically think about in terms of military hacking, right? We want to know your secrets. We want to know what you're doing. But then we get to really probably the biggest driver uh, of, of potential damage, long-term damage, and that's economic parity. 
And uh, I, I will tell you that certain nation states in the southeast region of Asia did not invent this pursuit of economic parity. I would say that even the Americans that did it in 1785 when Alexander Hamilton wrote a letter to Congress that says, well, Europe's eating our lunch, we have no industrial base, so let's go steal all the things, and then we will come up with a body of patent law, and then no one can take them. And lo and behold, it worked, right? So who is to begrudge other primarily agricultural states that in the state of 20 years suddenly are thrust to try and drive towards economic parity and basically doing our same playbook, right? And that's really what's happening there. But then, finally, the evolution is just pure money, pure cash. Now, interesting, the priority now is from bottom to top. So the evolution is from top to bottom. The priority is from bottom to top. Money is the biggest driver. Um, that's causing the most what I would call incidental damage. But, you know, the interesting thing about a target hack or something like that is it doesn't cause long-term economic damage. Perhaps collectively you could do an analysis to say yes, but to a certain extent it's noise. It's about one individual, say, getting sick and possibly, you know, go, going to a different conclusion. Um, but that in general, taking down target isn't going to take down all retailers. Right. When we talk about the issues of economic parity, that's a different story. You know, when when you steal all the actuarial algorithms of the past 150 years from Lords of London and places like that, and then suddenly, you know, these developing markets sell them for 20% of what Lords of London can make, suddenly the insurance industry is completely destroyed. Right. And and so the pursuit of economic parity can have very lasting effects. But what we're really talking about here are attacks and not hacks. Fame and glory is, you know, the, the least likely to actually be considered an attack because generally it doesn't cause suffering or loss. And that's, that's really where we're making the distinction. But attacks always do. They cause damage. Could be a D6, could be a D8, I don't know. Could be a DOD. Could be a DOD, exactly. <laughs> or DDOS, that's the one. <laughs> you know. One of those acronyms, <laughs> DDOS. <laughs> um, so, what, what what puts together in, in into an attack? And in, in you know, it, what's interesting is, especially as game designers and gamers, we kind of already know this, right? It takes time. You got to have some skill, and you need some tools in order to do it. Now, there's kind of a baseline enabler tool, I have to have a computer, I have to have a network link, right? There's got to be some way for me to do my thing. But then there are better tools in some cases than other tools, right? And, and so the value of the tool, whether it's a plus one hacking software, you know, those, those are the types of things that, that we, we should take into consideration. And I will point out that the skill is actually primarily operational and less engineering. We have this concept of this wizard, you know, in fact, there's a book called The Wizards Who Stay Up Late, right? It's, it's this concept that in order to be able to do anything amazing with a computer, you've got to be some grand arcane computer programmer and understand the bowels. And, and the reality is that that's not true. You do need to be smart. Uh, it, you, 
yes, there are script kiddies out there that are just, you know, spewing bits left and right, uh, but generally they don't cause a lot of damage. They can cause some damage, but it's more like graffiti. It's more like vandalism. The truly operational individuals are just methodical. They know the tools they need to use. They know how to read the data that they're exposed to, and they know how to interpret that in a way that they can leverage for advantage. And one of the interesting things, and I think uh, it's... I think it's a testimony to the universal nature of the fake rule set is a lot of the terminology that we use, things like leveraging data to create an advantage, performing an attack, defending it, they, it all fits into that descriptive model very well. And so I think actually you know, coming up with a model for computer hacking in games, whether it's a board game or, or an RPG, is actually a lot easier than we probably think it is. <clears throat> so I have a uh, attack example here, and uh, this is taken from the movie uh, Code 2600, which is kind of a documentary of American hacking. I highly, highly encourage you to watch it. Um, I, I've, I've had the pleasure of talking with many of the people that were in the, in the video. So let's go ahead and watch it. Whoops. That is not... Years ago, you'd have to have a complete computer system with you to do any hacking or access to a complete computer system. Uh, nowadays, you can make a complete hacking system out of a cell phone. This looks like a fairly typical iPhone, or at least it, it would appear so. This iPhone has been modified, though, to run applications that are not approved by Apple. In this case, specifically one designed to remotely take over other computers from either across the internet or, in our case, across an open public wireless network. It's actually a, a cafe. So we'll start by pulling up a terminal. And in this terminal, what we're going to do is run an application called Metasploit that will allow us to run an exploit and take over a machine. You can look at the exploit as how you get into vulnerable application. So having identified a specific computer from across the street over an open wireless network, we'll select our exploit first. In our case, we're going to choose a Microsoft exploit since our computer that we're looking at appears to be uh, quite uh, behind on its patches. We're going to choose payload that causes that machine to give us control of it. And a payload is what you want the machine to do once you've exploited a vulnerable service. Alright, now we're ready to go. Let's give it a try. We type exploit and enter. And we have successfully exploited our target. We now have control of it. At this point, we can set software on this computer so that when the person leaves the cafe, the machine would report all user activity. That activity would include websites visited, login IDs, and password pairs. We could even activate the camera or the microphone on the particular computer at will. So we have complete control over it. So, I mean, that right there is, is, is pretty... So as you can see, it's really not that hard. Uh, now, I would never suggest that you run around running Metasploit on your phone and spend all your time hacking on your I, I, iPhone keyboard. That's uh, not a... You're going to end up getting cramps. But... <laughs> The interesting thing about this is 
it almost it almost maps perfectly to the concept of you know the '80s Decker standing there with his keyboard, you know, remoting, you know, out in the remote mobile space, right? And you know, a couple keystrokes later, and he's in, right? And so, so, so this happened. This is real. And when we think about extrapolating with with neural interfaces and things like that, so that we don't have to type Siri. Uh, Siri, Siri, please hack that uh, that Windows machine across the street. Siri, hack Shane's laptop right now. <laughs> it is what? <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, so, so I think to a certain extent, when you look at some of the older models of computer hacking, they're way more complex, right? They're just tools. You have enablers, and and I will put out there that. If you can't use something like Metasploit, and not every exploit that you find in Metasploit is going to work against your target, but there are multiple exploits that you can run, that essentially if you get to the bottom of the list of those exploits and you can't get into the computer, you're not getting into the computer today. (laughs) You're not getting into the computer during this scene or possibly even this session. Maybe by the end of the next milestone you might get somewhere. But you're not getting in today. So I, I think to a certain extent we can just kind of step back and go, okay, we get it. We've got to have the right tools. The system has to be vulnerable. We've got to be able to, to attempt an exploit. We've got to know what we're doing to have access to these tools. And I will argue that a more skilled attacker can use those tools to greater effect, which is why if, if you go to DEF CON and you see the Capture the Flag Challenge and you've got... 32 teams out there all attacking each other, well, some of them win and some of them don't. <laughs> right? But they all have all have access to the same hardware and they all have access to the same tools. So clearly skill is a factor. But your, 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 your hack is never going to be, okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to craft a new zero-day exploit while you hold off those guards and you go over there and, you know, you keep those people busy, right? You're never going to be in the middle of a shadow run and you're suddenly going to generate a whole new body of code that is suddenly going to attack this system. This is something that Lockheed Martin came up with. And since I'm not giving the presentation uh, as a uh, representative of RSA, I can actually use their terminology as opposed to the generic <laughs> terminology, which is called the attack lifecycle, not nearly as cool. So they came up with this cyber kill chain so that they would understand when they detected activity, where in the process of the attack it was. And so we we start with reconnaissance, and that's really where they're just trying to figure things out. Now, the problem about reconnaissance is there's really not a lot you can do. There's so much noise out there, you're, you're getting reconned all the time. Weaponization, you also don't have any control of. What, what, what's going to happen in reconnaissance is they're going to scan your system, they're going to understand what vulnerabilities you have, and then they're going to go back and they're going to figure, okay, what, are, what is the collection of exploits I want to run against this target in order to achieve my objective? Then they're going to try and deliver it. And this is where you can begin to get involved. Now, delivery could be through a USB stick in a parking lot. It could be... Uh, you know, an actual malware attack through phishing or through cross-site scripting or whatever, but they've somehow got to get that software into your system or get past at least your 
your topical security. Once they're in, then they can execute the exploit, get it installed, establish that foothold, and then it's going to communicate out because you have to do this in an automated fashion, right? If you're actually trying to farm for money or secrets, right? You don't have one person at a keyboard sitting there going, I'm going to attack this company, right? <laughs> you, you, are, you are starting automated processes that are going out to a number of targets or at least scanning and attacking that target from multiple areas, multiple avenues. So finally, once one of them gets in, it says, hey, I'm here. And this is really your last chance, right? If you don't have visibility into your environment to detect a command and control signal, then you are done. And then the attack is executed. They get their objectives and they move on. Each stage is unique and each stage is actionable to some degree. Now this is actually taken from Lockheed Martin's uh, report talking about the specific modern systems that you can put in, uh, put in place. My two favorites are tar pits and honeypots because they actually sound like old school cyberpunk terms. Uh, and, and that's not an accident. The rest of the stuff is actually pretty humdrum, you know, intrusion detection, intrusion prevention, uh, and, and things like that, general patches. So the key here, though, is that all of these are software agents. They are also tools, and like tools, they must be intelligence-driven. So this means that you've got security analysts. You've got an, a hacker NPC on the other side trying to stop your stuff. And the enemy is time. Attacks are typically done within days or less. So unless the environment, which like 90% of current companies take like weeks, uh, they're going to win. This is the same thing, but just getting rid of all the technology of what you can do. And these are, the, these are the main actions that you can take. Detect, deny, disrupt, degrade, and deceive. Those sound like gameable terms. Certainly. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's interesting to think about it. Now, I, I would not suggest that for <laughs> any, every hack in your game, unless your gaming is purely about hacking and nothing else, um, that you would not want to game out each of these stages. You certainly could, but then that, that means that your game is all about that. This becomes your combat system, you know, for, mm-hmm. for lack of a better example. Now, this guy has a beard, so he probably knows what he's talking about. That's not always true. And a blog. <laughs> and, he blo- and he's got a blog. He's, he's got, got a beard. blog. He's got a beard and, and a blog. And a blog. Oh, whoa. Okay. <laughs> can, I, can I pay him to come speak? You can. Okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, a motivated, funded, skilled hacker will always get in. It's how you respond that matters. And with ignoring everything that I just said, that statement right there kind of tells us everything that we need to know. Right? And I, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of, of diceless systems, but that's a diceless statement. Mm-hmm. I am the hacker. I will get in. What do I want to have happen? And I think we, we kind of work our way back from there, understanding the components, and then see what we come up with. Now, this is RSA, the company that I work for, so full disclosure. Um, this is their current marketing campaign of be the hunter, not the hunted. Um, and that awesome mechanical cyber cat is known as ECAT. It's one of our products. But the driver behind this message 
is that you have to become proactively looking for people who are trying to get in. And, and, and it doesn't really matter how much automation you have. You have to put butts in seats and eyes on glass to make things happen. So if we extrapolate you know, the current shift towards that, what does the future look like? And I'll just make a statement that in the future, my, my future, the, the conclusion of this, is massive amounts of data, big data, to use, a, to use a buzzword. You've got big data that is analyzing the heck out of everything that's happening looking for anomalies. When it detects an anomaly, it tries to get as much information about it to help the analyst, but ultimately it has to be handed off to a human. So to a certain extent, when we think about target systems in a game, you've got the skill of the people, and you've got the maturity of the organization's technology and its processes. And you know, you, you can you can map that to corporate mill spec, you know, small enterprise if you wanted to put labels on it, but ultimately it's some combination of of the three things, people, process, and technology. And, and how that needs to get broken down. It could be one num- numerical scale, it could be three, but ultimately that's where I think it comes, comes together. So I'm going to leave this slide up there, just helpful terms that, that we heard uh, during the presentation and we can use them in our conversation. And, uh, and with that, Tim. <laughs> wow, okay. That was something to follow. Uh, so I'm Tim Rodriguez. Uh, I run Brooklyn Indie Games, and I've I have a tagline too. It is supporting indie game designers and developers since 20xx because <laughs> I'm a nerd. <laughs> um, I like like I kind of like read like the first line of Neuromancer and it's like boom totally hooked like I think this is beautiful I love the writing I love the 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 sort of the kind of like visuals uh, depicted in like the landscape of like what that kind of hacking looked like and so I've been sort of like weird and nerdy about it ever since and you know of course that leads to starting to read about it and you're like what is this I don't even know what I'm looking at I'm like not unsmart I'm not <laughs> I'm not certified in almost anything anymore, but like PowerPoint, maybe I think that still sticks. <laughs> um, Microsoft certified PowerPoint engineer. Oh, <laughs> actually, I'm Microsoft certified Office. Oh, really? Ooh. Yeah, because yeah. All right. Yeah, customer support. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> actually, like that presentation was fun, but that's a big tangent. Um, uh, yeah, like the like. Like Shane was basically saying, like the realistic nuts and bolts of hacking are a lot of scripts, a lot of understanding what you're looking at, and a lot of poking and prodding to just sort of see see what this does. And I think that's cool. Like I think that's awesome. Like that's that's as far as I'm concerned, what science does. Science pokes and prods. It's like I wonder what like uranium two thirty seven does. Ah, that's terrible. My finger just fell off. Um, I wonder what else that does. <laughs> do, do it again. Does it do it every time? Does it do it every time? Yeah, and that's hey, the, that's the important thing. Can we lick it? Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, 
sort of like that development of, you know, oh my god, my finger just fell off after I poked your name 236. Like, I wonder what I can do with his Windows computer. What if I do this port scan thing? Oh, look at all of those. Those all seem to be open. I wonder if I can do something with that. I wonder if I can do something with that. They tell me what they are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, poke, 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 poke. Um, and it's, it's, it's fascinating to me, just like, I'm terrified of going to DEF CON, incidentally, because people there are way smarter about what they do than I am about any single thing. You know, like there's leave your phone at home. Yeah, leave your I, phone at home. I, yeah. I would walk in there with only like a pencil and a pad of paper. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> my, uh, I, I wouldn't even take my watch in no. there. <laughs> Especially not that watch. Yeah, not that. <laughs> 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 it would, like overheat and burn my wrist off. I think people would be like, "I wonder what this does." <laughs> like, what? <laughs> um, you know, so like the the realism of hacking is. It's something I think is super interesting to kind of know about, and it's not something I want to game, because, man, like, I am too much of a story gamer for that. <laughs> you know, but, I, I don't even want to do that in real life. <laughs> I, I think... But, 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 I mean, as a story gamer, you can still tell an interesting story there. Oh, absolutely. You've got it's... interesting NPCs, you've got consequences for what you're doing. Exactly. There's but I don't want to talk about, like, I don't want a game analyzing logs oh, and logs no, and logs of data. Like Because hacking is, like, you, to carry your analogy to Hacking is screensavers. It's a lot of really, really boring, repetitive poking. Right. And a couple of moments of, Eureka! Yeah, right? And so, so like, well, I've been running a, a lot of D&D encounters, so, like, I'm, like, kind of in that mode right now, and you're like, okay, Let's do a set of skill checks. We've got a hacking team. This person's poking that thing. This person's just making telephone calls, seeing if they can do some of that harvest thing, like that reconnaissance you were talking about. This person is going and casing the place, kind of like getting a sense of like, what do they have biometrics? Do they have like key locks? Can we just borrow somebody's keys? Can whatever mm-hmm. you know? Just getting names is. Yeah. Absolutely. A thing. So, so, Clark, you want to give a brief inter- introduction? And uh, yeah, my, uh, my name's Clark Valentine. I've done a lot of uh, freelancing, mostly for Evil Hat. Um, I've been a desktop application developer for, God, 14, 15 years now. And I have never really done anything professionally with computer security because I've always left it to guys like him. Uh, <laughs> I just installed firewalls. <laughs> um, but um, I think... You know, I have my ideas about what makes for a fun game. And what I see with your presentation, Shane, is if you want... I mean, there's Gibsonian hacking, and there's... You could do that, or you could do... I don't know, just... You make a roll on the hacking skill. Roll. Okay, yeah, you got the information you needed, or whatever. Uh, But if you want to introduce a little realism to it, I think that chart that you had before about the stages, Mm -hmm. and see what on that chart looks fun to you and your group, if you want to really game that out. Right. I think that the reconnaissance mm-hmm. is where the meat of this is in the, yeah. from a game perspective. It's figuring out whose computer to hack. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. figuring out where... Does she eat lunch somewhere on mm-hmm. a regular basis that I can go to the cafe and see if I can break in? Do, does, he, uh, have a, does he have an iPhone or does he have an Android? Or does mm-hmm. he have a, bla- a Blackberry? Mm-hmm. How do we... Um, that, There's a list. <laughs> can we uh, have somebody dress up as a maintenance guy and go in there and install a hardware packet sniffer on, in their actual hardware network somewhere? Mm-hmm. 
that's I think where the for me that's where the fun part of this would really be is in the reconnaissance step, and in that's a really valuable diagram I think. Yeah, and and, and I and I absolutely agree with you that, uh, and I'll and I'll I'll offer a, a quick story. So three years ago, RSA was hacked, and the reason they were hacked is somebody was going for the keys to the kingdom. You know, as we, we do encryption and we provide. Um, you know the the secure tokens that enable encryption, strong encryption to work. So of course, their objective wasn't us. Their objective was everybody industrial else. base, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but they wanted to go to us because if they got the keys, then well, now they have they can get into any door. And uh, so the attack was launched, and we actually detected it and were able to stop it before they got there. But the most interesting thing about it was they knew exactly where they needed to go to the point that we had our security analysts and network engineers inside going, well, why are they going over there? And so, well, let's go see what's over there. Like, well, hey, that's not supposed to be there, right? And so even even an organization that is a security organization, it's, it's a real challenge to keep track of where all your data is and where it's supposed to be. But that really, when you talk about a sophisticated hack, the sophistication doesn't come from the software, right? That's often dead simple. Zero-day exploits get manufactured, put out there, get bought, and then leveraged. But that's a whole different ballgame, right? They're just buying the latest tool to get in. The key is them understanding who the target is, how to get there, who, to, who is exploited, who, who can be exploited. And that was the avenue they took. We were on a huge hiring drive... And so they came in through HR with uh, an Excel spreadsheet that says, here are the top candidates based on the most recent search. And and to the right people within the company who saw this and go, okay, this is excellent. I've been waiting for this. And so they go to launch it. And of course, our security software says, hey, there's bad stuff in here. Don't do this. So out of the thousand people that received it, Two of them still clicked on it. <laughs> yes. And yeah. this, I mean, we invest a lot in security awareness training, stuff like that. Now, we have 60,000 employees. So two out of 60,000 is actually, that's a success. That's pretty good, yeah. Right? <laughs> that's a really good success. <laughs> 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 yeah. Wait, shouldn't you No, the beauty of that whole breach and the way we handled and stuff like that is it actually, we did it, we did it well. It we got better status in in the market because we were open and honest about it. And we, you know, I've got a three hour presentation. I can walk you through the guts of what actually happened, but, uh, but no single person was fired executive or employee or anything because we did everything, you know, that, that we could. Um, And I think that's what I want to know is where that recon, you know, how did they find out who to target in HR? How did they find out that this, candidacy drive was was going on how do they know all this stuff and when you think of a show like leverage or something mm-hmm. like that i think a model can instantly come into mind exactly that is fun yeah. with yeah. different characters all participating for the same thing right and yes it comes down to who's going to throw the killing blow and i think ultimately that's where what the hacking skill ends up being um when you're pursuing an objective. Right. Right. Like what, what you said just sort of like very much zeroes in on I think a lot of the problem with sort of like Shadowrun and like other sort of historical cyberpunk games where one guy is the hacker. 
mm-hmm. right? Exactly. And yeah, and so yeah. and, and there. So I was. Can I actually interject? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, um, please. So that's why I like this model so much. Um, in the reconnaissance uh, section, and I can imagine that you don't have just what your your technomancer. Absolutely. You might have a better hacking skill just being part of that. You have your entire campaign, and like last time I ran, you know, Shadowrun, there were seven players, and you just can't have one person. Yeah. Who wants to go in and say, "All right, I'm going to go through this process of hacking." Like, now this is like participatory for everyone. Absolutely. Yes. Totally. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> think, think of it, uh, it is now my my thinking on this is evolving very very rapidly. Um, it, going back to the quote of um, a, a well-funded and motivated, I can't remember exactly. Hacker will always they're, get in. They're, they're going to get in. Funded. They right. will get in. So maybe the hacking. Maybe there is no hacking skill. Maybe, it, 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 I'm just spitballing here, but there's no hacking skill. Assume that that will work if you get six bits of information. You need those, I'm just pulling a number out. You need these six pieces of information and the hack will work. You need to know right. whose computer is the information on or what part of the network is it on. You need to know what part. Yeah, and so, if, so Clark, when, when are we doing the hacking gumshoe game? What she said is um, he doesn't like diceless games, but he sees this as a diceless system. system. Yeah, that but particular what this aspect changes of it. for me is your hack will always work, but the uh, gameplay becomes getting motivated, funded, and the skills necessary. Right. Because yeah. yeah. motivation is you know you have to pick a target, blah blah blah. Right. So funding, right. funding can be its own thing. You finding people to Either providing with the equipment or a, uh, again, a motivation or, or financial. Well, right, or so finding the right person who actually. Would, uh, can be broken out into knowledge of right. the recon, reconnaissance, and all of that. Yeah, so, 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 to, so to add the last piece, though, right? The important thing is the effect. Right. So yes. once you've got those. We've also got what happens after this. Right. There's that's. I was just about to go into this. It's like, you've got the effect. Bam! We totally got in, we got out, our data's in our hands, we're going to our buyer, FBI drives up. Consequences. The consequences are like the next chain is the big bad. <laughs> <laughs> now we have a problem. Because <laughs> yes. we have the data, but oh crap. Right. <laughs> oh crap, yeah. that guy knows it's us. Yeah. And, and, and I think ultimately, what we're really talking about here in, in when we're discussing computer hacking in games is that it's not about the hack. Right, the hack is by and large irrelevant because that's the least interesting part of it. It's not not only getting the data, but what is the data about? Right, that becomes that becomes the key. When we talk about funding, you're absolutely right. A single computer is not necessarily, unless you have really awesome reconnaissance, going to be what's going to let you in. You're potentially going to want to buy a zombie farm. You're potentially going to want to buy a zero day exploit. You're going to want to purchase things that. The minute you buy them, they get used once, and then they are useless, right? They're not something you add to your repertoire, like, well, I just bought a new shotgun, and I can use it from here on out. No, they're it's... Grenades. No. Yeah. yeah, they're grenades. Yeah. Or they are hirelings. Yes. <laughs> uh, we don't have a hacker on the team. I know this, this Russian guy, mm-hmm. right, who I... Way to stereotype, Clark. <laughs> or Chinese. Well, you know. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. I'm glad you took that. ISIS. Let's just get them all in there. I know this guy. I know this Canadian. I know this guy who's maybe from Pittsburgh. And um, I'm going to talk to him twice. Uh, once to set up the, the, the deal and once to uh, pay him. Mm-hmm. And um, 
well, what's his loyalty like, actually? Or is right. he on the take, or is he actually uh, NSA, or is he... Who knows? Um, that's another element to throw is, is in Is it there. safe is to it? actually hire him? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The hacker is not on your team. It's, right. an, it's another asset you have to get, and, is, and, well, what's the reliability of that asset? So, now, now I'm going to push you. Because I don't disagree with you, mm -hmm. but part of the fun of playing cyberpunk is being a hacker. <laughs> so if we, if we push the hackers off to the side, well, then what do they do? And so, you know, executing a righteous hack, I think, becomes one thing that they can help facilitate. They can deliver the coup de grace, you know, on, on the system. But then what do they do the rest of the time? And then I think we also need to, you know, think about Watch Dogs, the video game. We need to think about what is the logical extension of augmented reality and things like that. And can they actually become, as you said earlier, technomancers where they're basically wizards throwing spells left and right, right that have instantial effects in the you know the that that bridge between augmented reality and reality and i think a super model for this is actually felicity smoke's character in arrow i think she's a great sort of hacker as player character um she is eyes and ears of like the entire team, she is. Here's the information source. Here's wizardry that happens. Here is like this magic that no other people can do. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe yes, she's sitting in a room at a computer uh, a fair chunk of the time. But that doesn't take her out of danger. That doesn't mean that she doesn't go out into the field and be like, "Hey, it's weird that I'm sitting in here." Like, she's completely part of the story the whole time. Like, somebody shoots arrows, somebody punches things, and she's like, magic! And, like, things shut down and create openings and paths and is absolutely essential to everything else that happens. So, I, I think that one of the... I think that there's a fallacy in sort of, like, the, the, the hacker just sits over here right. the whole time. Like, saying that that is not part of the story because they're not out in a building somewhere is complete bunk. Um, because narrative doesn't work like that, right? Like, this thing and this thing and this thing all have to be working in concert. And just because they're not in the same place doesn't mean they're not put at similar or completely different risks. Mm -hmm. um, you we're, know, we're okay with this when it's a spy game, though, and everybody's you know got the magical headset that lets them all communicate instantaneously. Right, but and for some reason, not that. for hacking. I, I think I Shadow. Why. Right. I don't have Shadow addresses. Speaking of Mark's in the game, Shadow addresses that issue as well. I mean, you're, you have a personal area network where you're, you know, you are you are a server. And you mm -hmm. So yeah, and you, you are a mobile server. Yeah, which so is, which makes you vulnerable, yes, right? Makes to you very vulnerable. to your opponent <laughs> hacking you right back. So, so this is this is unfortunately where that model potentially breaks down, yeah. right? When you when you when you are talking about what you're ultimately talking about, whether it's whether it's your hacker in the building or it's a remote extension of the hacker in the building, you're talking about command and control traffic, and command and control traffic is an indicator of compromise. So, my players hate it when I run a cyberpunk game. <laughs> I make things really hard. Uh, but, but I try to make things interesting at the same time. I don't just make them hard for hard, hardness sake. But that's, that's the, it, it's nice to think about the drama of, yes, we're all connected. But if we're all connected, 
there's radiological information that's going out there that is going to be easily picked up. And if I pick up radio waves in my building that aren't accounted for, that's an anomaly. What am I doing about it? Right? And so to a certain extent, if you were really trying to be hardcore realistic, you would have to go in dark. Yeah. And and that's that breaks the you're sitting in the van or you're sitting in the room but, model. Right. It it breaks that. it breaks communication between characters. Mm-hmm. It doesn't break communication between players. And if you're willing to play with that metagame of like, so here's the plan, and play with kind of like the model of let's kind of reveal this over time. Mm-hmm. Like here, like but, leverage does yeah, this. It's like yeah. Yeah. here's this well, flashback, flashback where we talk about exactly what we're going to do way up here where right. we're actually right. being. It's assuming that your characters are competent and have developed a fully fleshed out plan. Right. They have more information than the player does. the players not maybe right. have it because you're just playing like, But we definitely want to avoid planning the RPG. Well, I mean, the, the other thing that you can do <laughs> is if, if your players are expect... If you've designed it in such a way that your players do have instantan- you know, instantaneous communication between each other and one of them's got to go dark, that's really freaky for the players. Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a yeah. sudden, I have to be in the building and I have to be dark. That That break of I'm used to working in a certain way and now I can't work that way mm-hmm. is and oh, then if I you bring in the meta concept now you're really mm-hmm. this this is a way to get the if if you have the hacker I'm the I'm the hacker I'm the technomancer um, if if you want them to share the same physical danger mm-hmm. as say the insertion team or the, the I got to be there with you guys with my wireless mm-hmm. gizmo to to pick that that handprint lock to do you know whatever magic I need to do and I'm going to get shot at by the guards just like you guys, that's a way to do it. Yeah, no, I agree. And yeah. I mean, that's, that, that's my preference. That, yeah. That's the model that I, I think works best and then avoids some of the challenges yeah. with, with having a disconnected group for multiple reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I, think, I think there's a time and a place to do it, and I think ultimately what it's driving towards is you know, when, when you're setting up a righteous hack for your players – what is going to be interesting? What's going to be dramatic? You know, don't don't make it the same every time. You know, at this point, yes, we you know, and suddenly in this situation, half the team has to go dark. Why does that happen? How can I spring that on the players? How can I make that interesting? Right? <laughs> yeah, you know, th- those types I, of things. Actually, laughs, Star Wars. Scary thing. In, in, have you, has anybody seen uh, uh, Star Wars Rebels? Not yet. Yeah, no. I've seen. But they've done they've done it like two or three times now. Where wait, our our comlinks aren't working. They're jamming. They know we're coming. Mm-hmm. Uh oh, <laughs> that's a great thing to drop yeah. on them, especially right at the end of the session. Cliffhanger for right. they know we're here. Uh-oh. They know we're here. And I, I think you know you mentioned Gumshoe earlier. I think mechanics like that are very helpful for some of the things that you want to do. Kind of blending, you know, blending the the diceless and and the dicing into creating drama because that's really ultimately what what we're driving towards. But um, it would be an interesting challenge. I'm, I'm thinking of the, the next thing that I could do, which would be to create a hacking worksheet, right? As, as for a GM, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. To say, yeah. what, what are the things I need to consider as a hack? Nope, I don't want to do that. Nope, I don't want to do that. Yes, I want to do this. Yeah, pick one from each column or pick, pick one, multiples yeah. for like increased difficulty. That might be, that might be really interesting. That's, that would be. That's also, that's a, that's like a, a two dollar PDF. As, as a like that designer, you just I'm make. already seeing a circuit diagram mm-hmm. where, as the players go through and do certain options, they get, change the modifiers of what their ultimate role is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I've been thinking about all this 
far too much. Like I'm working on a cyberpunk RPG mm-hmm. uh, headspace, and uh, the best solution I've come up with so far was that hacking actions like I need to break the door lock is like I roll my hacking, and right. then when the AI ECAT comes at you, you launch a, a, a defensive or attack program, and like it's a world-based engine. So I'm just like, okay, basically it's a gun. It's mm-hmm. a tool, absolutely. You know, and so I just say, all right, uh, it's uh, like it's a electronic warfare thing that you fire off. I mean, one thing I'm noticing with this is that the most unrealistic thing is when you see TV shows and the guy stops and somehow he types really fast, like uh, like a hacker. Yeah, or like oh, I'm trying to think of. Oh man, I want a T-shirt really that says that now. Swordfish, swordfish, yeah. Sword or like somehow, yeah. Or, where you're just like, oh, okay, yeah. No, if you don't Who have the right tool, you're screwed. No, you know? but he did have the right tools. Yeah. Several bottles of wine. Yeah, exactly. Because that's that's part and of my time. hacker toolkit: and wine or whiskey. <laughs> yeah, whiskey. Ball or peak. Let's let's be honest. It's a thing. What what do you um? You guys talking? You give the joking thing about so one of the simplifications that happens in a lot of games is firewalls. Uh, or if you go Gibsonian ice, um, like how realistic is it system wise, even or just any wise, to, to say like okay, uh, the door has a firewall of two, roll a higher than that. Is is that? I mean, it, it ups the difficulty a little bit, and it may take more time, but they're getting through it. Right. I mean, it's an obstacle. It, I, it is an obstacle. There are better firewalls out there than others, but. Really, when you look at that number, and, and I talked about this a little bit earlier, it's the maturity of the organization. Yeah. Because it's it's it. Defense is three things: people, process, and technology. If the firewall or the IPS detects something, it's who sees it and do they know what to do with it? Yeah. And so many organizations are incredibly immature and have weak processes, but have the best technology because that's what they've been told by us and the marketplace. Well, you got to have the best stuff. But in the end, it's worthless. Target has a fantastic team. They've got red team. They've got blue team. They do exercises. They have all this monitoring technology. And it was a failure of process, which is why the CIO got fired. Because they said, nope, we're not going to disrupt holiday shopping. So charge on. And, you know, even though they detected it. So that ultimately, that's, you know, and they came in through the HVAC system, which is Awesome cyberpunk stuff. Yeah, some some, totally cool. some, ma- awesome. some maintenance guys user ID nice. through through right. the uh, HVAC system, like okay. the maintenance. When you first said that, I was thinking they literally came through the HVAC system, <laughs> like some guys. They literally virtually came yeah. through the HVAC right. system. And I mean, this 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 jumps onto real life, the Internet of Things. Mm-hmm. Like my Bluetooth speaker has an IP address, hackable. That projector can plug into a network, hackable. Doors hackable. Like oh. we've got biometric scanners so at our no, office. Does, does the CEO have a programmable pacemaker? Mm-hmm. Yep. Hackable. hackable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> one of the also. That, I mean, that's, that's the biggest. A, that's, a, that's a dangerous and, subject. And, the biggest thing <laughs> from Gibsonian, right? Is is like jacking in. Right. What that like? That's the ultimate sort of complete BS from sort of Gibsonian area. No one. Everything in our modern society is Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. Everything, right? Well, it's fairly safe to say, part. but it's fairly safe to say, like if you do a cyberpunk game based on our reality, seventy years into the future, like if it's electronic, it's just pulsing out, you know. Like, but jacking in does have its place, and that yeah. comes back to the command and control. If you want to do it and you want to do it silently, you want to jack in. Right. You look at legacy systems that we have today that are completely vulnerable. Oftentimes, we put a system in front of it. 
that can only be accessed by one way. And basically, that system is jacked in to the vulnerable system. So right. there's no way that that link can be disrupted. So a, a physical objective in your hack could be to penetrate into the environment so that your hacker can literally jack in and bypass there. all the shiz. There are still closed systems. There are still air Find the Windows XP computer. Yeah, yeah. I, do, I do have a question that I, about hacking that I don't understand. A lot of times, uh, because it's a story thing, you create the like the isolated network. You have to go into the building. Right. So, yeah. from a realistic perspective, how do like isolated networks kind of function in the sense that they are separate and they, they still have a, to communicate? There is an air gap to get data yeah. onto and off of it with a secure a security procedure that you must follow. You have to be a trusted individual to follow the procedure. Yeah. Those air, are air very gap, real things. Yeah, air gap air gap networks are generally is that what they're air gap. They're generally no, no not wireless. Connection. They can be. If they are wireless, they're typically um, your wireless key is a, a certificate. You're, you're encrypted somehow. Right, yeah, yeah. You're, you're, ab- you're absolutely encrypted, but it's typically a, a virtual key yeah. that has to be installed on the device with a pair on, on the router in order to make sure that um, you've got the strongest encryption running but then no one can subvert and get onto that router without authorization. Um, you know, the biggest challenge is man-in-the-middle attacks. Uh, a lot of your commercial routers are actually vulnerable to some very common things. You can actually go get a software package on the Mac. We'd go over to Starbucks, fire it up, and we become the man-in-the-middle in all internet traffic routes through us just by pushing a button. Very similar to the phone hack I just saw. So you have to avoid that. Don't bank at Starbucks yeah. or really any other place. That's the other lesson we learned. So, so it, it turns out that the the laziest way to do security is to air cap it. And a yeah. lot of and a, and a, and a lot of big industries, a lot of big industry gap. too. When you think about factories and stuff, they're built with controllers that are part of you know a ten year investment cycle. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, working in the automotive industry. We've got factories that have computers that are 15 years old, yep. right? They are vulnerable. And, oh, you know, you can breathe on them, and you suddenly you're jacked in, right? You can't be the only one that's noticed that every time you go to your bank, they have the same like DOS interface software that they've had for like 20 years because they have to because they have to update all of their systems. Well, typically those are mainframes. Yeah, and IBM IBM's a little bit more ahead of the curve. So while it looks dumb. It, it isn't. Just because it's command line doesn't mean that right. It's and actually, here's 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 an interesting yeah, little minutes. tidbit that yeah. I learned yesterday. Um, so the Bloomberg like terminal, right? Like it's this arcane looking finance tool that comes from a time when people were not necessarily computer literate. So here's this relatively easy to use tool that is specifically for like finance people and it's just been the same because people didn't know computers at all. So it's it's not that the technology has not advanced or like they can't make it. It's just that it's been this way and people have gotten really really used to it because it was designed at a time when graphics were not so great, but for people who didn't know how to use computers, like the web interfaces were not a thing. So delivering like this real-time data um, to somebody who was not technologically necessarily proficient became like this terminal thing. And like I think it's fascinating that like some of that is just design. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, I want to say actually one last sure. real quick thing. I think that. 
Android Netrunner, mm-hmm. the the card game, has great models of consequences for yeah, hacking. It does. I love it. Like that's it's it was one of my favorite collectible card games. Um, and yeah, like yeah. I think, I think run, running into this firewall, maybe it's low obstacle, but if you don't pass it by a certain grade, like somebody shows up at your house and beats you up. Right. Bam. Exactly. <laughs> Consequence. Exactly. I'm done. <laughs> Uh, so, so thank you all for participating. Uh, if if you want to see an attempt at putting this in action, you know, check out my my Nova Punk play test. Uh, Mark, I, I wanted to get in your headspace, but we had colliding sessions. So uh, I'm happy to I'm happy to have further discussions on this at length. Uh, and thank you all, and enjoy the rest of your day.